Well, this morning we are going to be um, looking at how we are to relate to one another and how we are to care for one another in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And uh, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, as we walk through a book, we're able to address some of these issues that we may not do otherwise uh, in if we're just going through uh, topical messages. And so, um, with that this morning, let's, uh, let's read. And, and I, and I want to just say something too to the introverts that are in our service. Um, you know, it's, we live in a culture today that loves anonymity. And, uh, for introverts in particular, coming to a service, I mean, you are out of your comfort zone. And if we were to ask you to go and introduce yourself to somebody else or someone to come introduce your, themselves to you, that can be that can be really intimidating. And you know, after this service is over, we say amen. Uh, you know, you have a tendency of t- to rush out of here as quick as possible. You know what? That's not God's will for your life. God has instituted the church. And it's in the church that we are the family of faith. And he wants us to get to know each other. Not just come and observe a worship service and skedaddle as quick as possible. No. He wants you to get to know other people's names. Others to get to know your name. Study the word together, pray with one another, do life with each other. And I know as I say those things to introverts, I mean, you're getting all stressed out on the inside. But uh, but the church is here for all of us. And so we're going to be looking at the family this morning and how we are to relate to one another. And so we are going to look at the first 16 verses this morning. I know that that probably think, well, we're going to be here forever, Pastor. Maybe so. You know, there's no football game that's really important on this afternoon, so let's just go as far as we can. (laughs) Oh, I know. There's some Ram fans in this uh, service. All right. Verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father... Younger men as brothers, older men as mothers, and what old older men, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren. Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent, continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, 
so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, uh, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies and saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed from Satan, strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So, chapter 5. Who is the family or how are we to care for one another? Well, Paul tells us in verses 1 and 2 that we need to love the family of faith. And that's one of, the, one of the things I appreciate about our church is that we are multi-generational. You know, we don't have primarily just one generation in our church. We have all generations represented, and that is a healthy thing. That's, that's an important thing. And in verse 1... Um, Paul tells us that uh, older men, we need to treat older men as a father. Um, now, before I say that, when I, one thing I want to say about being multi-generational is that we can learn a lot of things from one another. You know, I think of um, the young people, children. If you want to learn about dinosaurs this morning, we have people in our church who have first-hand experience with dinosaurs. You can go to John Gilliland and he can tell you everything he knows about dinosaurs because he's been there. And right behind John Gilliland is Arturo over here hiding behind his wife, Lori. (laughs) He knows all about dinosaurs as well. So in saying that, I've probably violated verse 1 of uh, chapter, chapter 5. And with, when Paul says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. And, uh, and we need to do that in our church. We need to hear the wisdom of the older men in our church. And, and you know, that's one thing I like about men's breakfasts. Uh, for the last several men's breakfasts, we've, been, we've had a teaching video. And following that teaching video, we've tried to pair up 
the older men with younger men so that the younger men can learn from the wisdom of the older men. That is biblical. And Paul is saying that uh, we need to give them honor. We need to treat them as, as a father. And so I just want to encourage men's ministry that we continue to do that. I know there's been some conversation of maybe taking the men's breakfast and going to Denny's and doing something of that nature there. But you know the problem with that? At Denny's, they have, a, they have rectangle tables. And rectangle tangle tables doesn't give us the same opportunity for discussion and interaction as round tables would do. And so we need to continue to provide that kind of ministry in our church. But uh, treat older men, Paul says in verse 1, as fathers. And then treat younger men as brothers. Now, how did you... Men, guys, how did you treat your younger brother growing up if you had a younger brother? I didn't teach my younger brother. I, I mean, I didn't treat him very well. You know, uh, my mom had to separate our, us boys with a broomstick on several different occasions. And uh, we were like uh, fire and gasoline. And I was the fire, and he was the gasoline. And uh, oftentimes it didn't go go very well. But I really didn't learn to appreciate my brother. Uh, well, before that, um, my brother is two years younger than I am. And I like to point that out to people because he looks a lot older than me. And, and here I am vi- violating verse 1 again. But uh, I remember uh, my granddaughter, Ellie, her first uh, her. First First time meeting Uncle Rick and really remembering it, the, she, she said as, uh, as he was leaving, I really like that grandpa. He's a lot of fun. And you know what? Uncle Rick is a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't really appreciate my, my brother until I left for college. And uh, Rick kind of lived under, in the shadows of, uh, of me uh, growing up. But when I went away to college, my, how he blossomed. And uh, I remember coming back and uh, spending holidays with the family, and my brother had become the family comedian. And everybody liked him. And uh, it was a refreshing new relationship that I had uh, with my brother. But Paul tells us that for younger men in our church, older guys, that we need to treat them as a younger brother. Uh, come alongside them, encourage them. Um, you know, it's not easy being a young dad and providing for a family. And, and older guys, you have some wisdom that you can share with these younger men to help them along the way. I appreciate those relationships I've had in, in, in my life. Uh, in in the local church and how those guys have been there for me. Then Paul says in verse 2, older women, we need to treat older women as mothers. You know, I think of our mops ministry. Uh, We have uh, ladies at each of the table for those young moms who come to this ministry 
and uh, their their title is mentor mom, and they're ju- they're there to encourage these young moms, not to tell them how to do it, but just be um, a listening ear and encourage them in being those those uh, young moms. And I know many mentor moms are in the service this morning, and what a blessing that is, and that you look forward to pouring yourself into to those young moms. This is a vital ministry in our church, and um, and. They're exemplifying First Timothy here. And then we see younger women treat younger women as sisters. And what that means that uh, for us men, and, uh, and I'm thinking of teenagers in the youth ministry and the, and the young, young girls, the young teens are in that ministry, you need to treat them as younger sister. You need to be their protector and uh, their safekeeper. <clears throat> you know, one of the policies that we have in our church is, and it's an important policy that protects everybody, but men minister to men and women to women. Um, you know, I think of um, Mike Pence our vice president, who last year um, he was criticized for the fact that he does he he will never find himself alone with another woman, whether in private or in public. And you know how the media criticized him uh, for having that conviction. Uh, women thought that that was. That was de- demeaning that he would treat women in such a way. But then, just a month later, the Me Too movement came out. And women were calling men on the carpet who had uh, mistreated them or taken advantage of them, violated them, and uh, were calling them predators and aggressors and couldn't be trusted. But I didn't hear any media go back and apologize to Mike Pence for his convictions on how to treat women and the convictions that he had. Um, And our vice president doesn't have these convictions just to protect himself. But he has these convictions to protect the opposite sex as well, to be a safekeeper and to honor the opposite sex. And so here we have in verse, verses 1 and 2 our um, guidelines that Paul is laying out for Timothy of how the church is to treat the different generations and that we are to love one another. But not only are we to love with one another, but we are to care for one another. And he talks about widows. Caring for those in particular who can no longer care for themselves. And that as a church, as a church family, we need to be watching out for them. 
Now in James chapter 1, verse 27, James says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And so the question is, what are we doing as a church to intentionally care for the widows in our church? And not just uh, widows, but also uh, women who have been abandoned by their husband or have gone through a divorce, uh, we need to be sensitive to where they're at as well. What are their real needs? What are their pains? And how can we minister to them? So in this passage of Scripture, we need to be aware of the context. Because, you know, Paul is very familiar with the church at Ephesus. He spent three years there as their pastor. He's, he's uh, enlisted Timothy to be their pastor as well now. And uh, he, he's aware of the needs of the, the women and the single moms in, in the church. And in the first century culture, you need to understand that they didn't have the safety nets that we have today. They didn't have uh, Social Security. They didn't have retirement funds or anything of this nature. And so when women were all alone, uh, Paul is saying it becomes the responsibility of the church to care for their needs. And we ought to be grateful today that we have uh, Social Security and, and women, widows, they have uh, retirement funds, mo- most of them do. But that doesn't abdicate our responsibility as a church uh, for caring for them. We need to be there for them as well. For those who qualify, Okay. Paul is not saying that we are to be caring for all widows, but for the ones who qualify. Who are the ones who qualify? Well, in verses 4 and 5, those who don't qualify are those who um, have, well, those who qualify are the ones who are devoid of relatives. Ones that don't have relatives close by who can help them with their needs. What he says here in verse 4, Paul is saying, But if widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in God's sight. This is godliness for children and grandchildren to come alongside their parent or grandparent and help provide for their needs. And so if those relatives, those relationships are within uh, the widow's community and they're receiving that, that help, then it's not necessary for the church to come alongside them. Verse 8, Paul says this, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so for children who come alongside and minister to their parents and grandparents, 
grandparents, they are demonstrating their faith in the Lord. This is an act of godliness. And the church needs to help these children and grandchildren convey to them that this is a responsibility of theirs. And as they do, guess what? It relieves the burden that could potentially be placed upon the church. And so the family, the family is the first line of defense and the church is the second. You know, I think of um, Jeannie Copeland who uh, lost her husband, uh, Jean, almost two years ago now on on Easter. Um, Her two boys... Tim and Ed. In fact, I was talking to Jeannie just this week. How thankful she is that she has her two boys in town who are able to care for her. Uh, What a blessing. And this is God's intention for, for children, to care for their mothers. So, to, in order to qualify as a church to be cared for, um, if you're a widow, um, they need to be devoid of relatives. They need to be women who have depended upon God. Verse 5, she, is, she who is truly a widow, left alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. She is a widow. She is a person who's active in our church. Now, we do have some widows in our church who can no longer attend services here. They physically can't do that. But we still have a responsibility to them, and we have our in-touch ministry, and we have people in our church who are going out and ministering to their needs, caring for them, and praying for them. But these have been women who are dependent upon God. They are devoted to prayer, number three. Uh, They are Christ-centered women who continue to care about others. And there's two women examples in the New Testament that we could look at. We could look at Anna in Luke chapter 2, and we could look at the widow and the might that she was giving in Mark chapter 12. In both these cases, these were godly women who were dependent upon their heavenly father. And we have those kinds of women in our church today. You know, I think of Sybil Turner. Now, you know what? She doesn't qualify for us as a church to care for her. You know why? Because she's got children in her life who care for her on a regular basis, who are there for her. But um, that doesn't abdicate our responsibility. We want to care for her as well. But uh, um, the family is her first line of defense. Um, I think of Donna Reinhardt, uh, a lady over in Bella Sarah. That um, Donna, she was a pastor's wife. She sang in the choir for for years. She has taught Sunday school. Um, her husband Ken passed away 
probably six or seven years ago now. More than that? Three? Oh, I can't see back there. <laughs> but uh, it's been a while. But uh, but her her health is failing. Um, and she doesn't know why the Lord still has her around. But you know what? While she's around, she is a godly prayer warrior. And she is constantly praying for us as a church that we would be unified as a church. She's praying for me as a pastor because she know, knows how hard it is as a pastor to herd cats around here. Uh, when everybody has their own opinions, uh, she being a pastor's wife, when I come and see her, she says, how are you doing, pastor? How are you holding up? And so she's praying for me. Um, but, you know, you go and you're think, you think you're ministering to Donna Reinhardt, but you know what? You leave and Donna Reinhardt is ministered to you in, in all of her pain that she's going through. But again, Donna is somebody that isn't qualified for our widow's ministry because she's got uh, a daughter who uh, is there for her every need. And... Um, in, in Donnie. And so, uh, but wonderful women. I think of my uh, grandmother, Grandma Logan. Um, she very much fit this description in First uh, Timothy 5. She was a prayer warrior. She was a widow uh, for 35 years. My grandfather passed away when I was seven years old. And for those 35 years, she was faithful to the Lord's work. She, she loved her church. I can't tell you the number of times that I would walk into her house, she not know that I'd come into the house, and she was in her chair with her prayer beads, her rosary, praying. She was that kind of faithful saint. And yet, she wasn't qualified to be in the widow's ministry of the church because, you know what? I had a dad who was there to care for her. I didn't appreciate this at the time. In fact, I didn't appreciate that until this message because I remember on many occasions that my brother and I, we would go with my dad over the house and we would clean that great big yard. And I'm sure I didn't have the greatest attitude in going over there. But you know what my dad was doing? You know, my dad wasn't... um, a spiritual giant, you know, he didn't lead the family in prayer. I didn't see my dad read the word. He loved God. But dad was showing me what godliness was like by him taking care of his mom. And the Bible says that this pleases the Lord. And so... Paul is instructing Timothy as a church, this, this is how we are to care for one another. 
If there are children in town, encourage those children to um, care for their parents and grandparents. And if they're devoid of those relationships, then church, Timothy, this becomes the church's responsibility. And if you're looking for ministry in our church, um, I tell you what, the in-touch ministry is a great place to serve. You're going to get to know some some godly people in our church that can't get out of their house anymore. If you want to meet somebody who will just uh, love on you, you and be grateful that you've come to see them, um, sign up to go see Junko. <laughs> Junko is a, a lady who can't come to our church anymore because of healthy reasons, but uh, you go see her and she will be overwhelmed that you've come to, her, to, to visit with her. And you are going to be blessed um, by her presence, that conversation that you can have with her. And when we do this, church, this is one form of godliness that God wants us to to pursue. We are a multi-generational church. And for young families in this church, if you want... If you want to instill in your children a love for senior adults, take them on those visits with you. Um, I remember my daughter, uh, Emily, going with me to visit senior adults. And as she um, was thinking about a career and and, uh, going into nursing, her first desire, guess what, was senior adults. She loves that age group and just caring for them. Now, that's not what she's doing right now. She's in the babies. But if, uh, but her first love is uh, the senior adults. And I, I go back to those um, times where she was with me. I'm sure that that meant a great deal in her uh, own personal life. So, but for the widows who are qualified, church, we need to be there for them. So I just want to encourage deacons that this will be a good thing to reevaluate as uh, we move forward in caring for the needs of our church. Who are the the widows? Um, And it's not just women, but it's men as well who truly qualify for our care and our ministry is our responsibility. And then we see in verses 9 and 10 that um, it's important that as widows that you not retire, okay? If you're, if you're able, if you're physically able to still do things that you have a role in the church. You have uh, a very important uh, ministry to provide in the church. Verse 9 says, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. 
If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. You know, as I look at those qualifications, those characteristics, I can't help but see my wife in those two verses. But guess what? My wife doesn't qualify because she isn't 60 years old yet. And uh, by talking to her about this, she probably will be qualified to be a widow here very shortly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my wife is a wonderful human being who likes to display hospitality, She's humble, she loves infants, uh, cares for them, unselfish, kind. Um, I appreciate my wife, but she's not 60 yet, so it doesn't fall out. <laughs> and I'm not telling you when she turns 60, 60 this year, so... <laughs> Like I said, she's going to qualify being a widow here uh, shortly, I'm sure. But, uh, but dear, because you're not 60 yet, and if you become a widow, guess what? You can still remarry, Paul says. <laughs> Paul says in verse uh, uh, 14, he says, So I would have younger widows... Marry, bear children, you can have more kids, dear. <laughs> but you know what? God doesn't want you ladies to retire. He wants you to continue to be active in the church. And how, and I'm looking at several of you ladies in our church right now, and how active you are in the life of the church, and what a blessing you are to both people inside the church and outside the church. Um, the, you, you are amazing. And um, God wants to, you to continue to do that as long as you are physically able. There's one person that many of you don't know. She, um, Judy was saying it will be 20 years this April that her mother, Myrtle, passed away. Myrtle qualified, was active in this service that Paul is talking about in this passage of Scripture. Her memorial service was the first service I ever witnessed the need for child care to be provided. How old was your mom, Judy, when she passed away? Eighty and a half years old. And the reason why that they had to provide child care is because she had made such a huge impact on young moms in the church in her late 70s. Church, this is the desire of all of our lives that we don't get to a certain age and we say, well, in there done that, it's time for the younger generation to take my place. No, we never 
arrive at that place as long as we are physically able. Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, and maybe you're of age where you can't get on your knees and play with those little ones on the floor anymore. But if you can sit in a rocking chair and hold a little baby in your arms, you qualify to serve. We need more loving moms and grandmothers and great-grandmothers back there in our nursery where young mom can bring their little ones into this church and drop them off over there and know that they're going to be well cared for and loved on while they're in this service. Because if they're not feeling that, guess what? They're not going to come back the following Sunday. And if they're not feeling that, they're not going to hear one word I have to say. I want you to know that the ministry that's going on right now during this service is just as important as what I'm sharing before you this morning. The ministry that's happening in our children's church right now is just as important as what I'm sharing in this service this morning. God doesn't know the word retirement. We are to be active for him until he calls us home. And so that's verses 1 through 16 this morning. Very practical passage of scripture. And it's my prayer that we are fulfilling these um, these commands in the days ahead. Would you bow your head with me, please? I'll ask our worship team to come up. And, and um, Tammy, I'd just like for you to play the piano softly as we have this time of uh, meditation prayer. And I just want you to take this opportunity to thank the Lord Thank the Lord for the women in your life who are such a huge blessing. Widows, widowers, would you just take a moment to thank the Lord for sons and daughters? in your life who are watching out over you. Sometimes you might think that they're watching too much. But they love you. They're grateful for the impact that you've made and are making on their life. godly influencers in your life this morning? I had to tell the Lord, thank you for my 
my dad, who sometimes I was very hard on for what he couldn't do. But my, the things that he showed me that I did not realize. Father, thank you for the church. It's one of the ways that you show your goodness to us. Help us, Father, to better relate to one another. We can't relate to everybody, but there's a few that we get to know be that blessing and they be that blessing to us help us to be the family of faith that exemplifies the gospel of Jesus Christ God we couldn't save ourselves Jesus you had to come and rescue us. And as we're there for others who can't care for themselves, they need help. God, we have an opportunity to display the gospel and what you did for us. Help us to be faithful. pursue godliness in this area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.